Have you been thinking about investing in real estate? It's not like what you see on HGTV. We created a course to show you how to really invest and create a profitable flipping and wholesaling business. We give you marketing strategies like how to pull lists, who we target, and where we find the money. We go over sales, which includes live calls and negotiations, scripts, role playing, and so much more. Everything that you need to know to flip houses is in this course. And if there's anything that we missed, we will create a video to answer your specific question. This knowledge has made us over a million dollars and we're selling it today for just $997. Click the link below. All right, guys, oh, welcome shit. to the Tony and Dakota podcast. We got a special guest here. We got Mr. Gary V and that's not Gary Vaynerchuk, a different Gary nah. V. What up, bro? <laughs> What's happening, guys? How are we? Good, man. Tony's going to introduce you and talk about all of the good things about you. All right. I got two things here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Gary is the CEO at United Home Buyers. Uh, he was a real estate agent before when he lived in Connecticut, and then he got into real estate investing. He joined the Future Flipper Mastermind, and that's how we met him. Since then, he's done a poop ton of flips. He's been flipping houses left and right. Uh, Gary is a husband, and uh, he's in dang good shape. Uh, this dude's 41 years old, and uh, he was outworking me where we were in the CrossFit gym in Las Vegas. Maybe that just shows how out of shape I am. Ah. But uh, Gary does some CrossFit in his spare time, uh, and he uh, he he can uh, he gives it to you straight, man. He's a uh, He's a rascal. He likes to let you know uh, what some bull crap is sometimes. And so he's got that East Coast vibe to him a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Vor Voorhees. <laughs> Voorhees. <laughs> Voorhees. Hmm. Nice, man. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate you, bro. Yeah, man. You guys are killing it. <laughs> Thanks, man. You too. Are you from are you from New York? I can't remember. I am. I'm from Westchester, right out of New York City. Nice. Well, we kind of had to deal with the no nonsense. Yep. <laughs> we met a guy. Uh, I can't remember where he's from. Where does he say he's from? That guy that called uh, yesterday. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's from Queens. Yeah. He's he's like the Italian the Italian stereotype a little bit. So he called Dakota to let him know they're like, hey. Just so you know, uh, I'm gonna call the city on you guys because you got these bricks out front of your out front of your little uh, spot over here, your storage spot. Uh, I think it's unnecessary. I think it should be cleaned up. So I'm gonna let the city know. And then Dakota was quiet for a little bit. He's like, "Nah, man, I'm just messing with you. You know how it is." <laughs> yeah, it was funny though, dude. It kind of he's from kinda... Astoria. He's he's from Astoria or Whitestone. That's it. Yeah, I say your you guys' accent kind of reminds me of each other. So I was like, dude, you got to be from New York. I remember that too. You were so you started off as a real estate agent. Is that how you got into real estate, or did you start off flipping? Or tell us like kind of your backstory and how you got into real estate. Yeah, so I was selling cars and I hated my life and I hated the schedule and you know what it is. You did it. So you know, I was like, I got to get out of this. I got to get out of this. And uh, you know, we started flipping cars on Craigslist and uh just enough to save up for like a year i was like i need a year's worth of money to make sure that we're uh covered yep and uh um we got we got that money and we got into real estate and it was like no turning back i was never never going back to the car dealership or working for anybody again 
So we just never, it, ever look back from there. Where did it pop in that you were going to be a real estate agent? Because I saw that you had your license in Connecticut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had my license in New York, Connecticut, and Ohio. Um, I recently got rid of the Connecticut license just because I wasn't doing that many transactions there. And it was a lot to keep up with the continuing education. There was three continuing educations every two years and the money and the MLS and everything like that. It was just, it wasn't worth it. It's easier for me to refer something off and, you know, then deal with all that. Probably be getting rid of one of these other licenses here soon too, just because um, I transition out of that too. It was a good stepping stone, but uh, this is where my heart's at and this is what I love to do. Awesome. Um, so but the real estate, get into real estate, that was fun. Good stepping stone. I would love to help other people with it. It was, you know, it's a great, it's a great, great um, lifestyle. If you set it up the way it could be. So you were, uh, you were in car sales for how long? And then what did that transition actually look like? Were you doing both for a while? Or did you just like go and you're like, you know what, screw this, I'm out and then decide to go and be a real estate agent? No, um, I was never doing both at the same time. Um, what I was doing was selling my own cars off Craigslist and that became a full-time job. Wow. Like, I had my own dealer plate, everything. No one knew I had my own dealer plate, but they knew like I was making a lot of money. There was a lot of chatter in the sales room. Um, I would take my lunch break and go and sell cars at my lot right up the street. I got a lot purposely up the street. So that way I'd be able to sneak off at lunch, go sell my cars and then come back. Um, I bet was, they didn't, I bet they did not like that. No, they didn't like that at all, but you know what? You got to do what you got to do. Like there was a day that I was sitting out there in the showroom and I was like, you know, those slow days and it's like, man, what am I doing here? And I looked out the window and there was like this little Azuzu trooper sitting out mm -hmm. there with a for sale sign on it. And I called the number and the guy's like, I want 500 bucks for it. I was like, dude, turn around right now. Come back to my dealership. <laughs> he turns, we're in the back parking lot. I made him take his plate off the car. He's like, really? I'm like, dude, find your ride home. You have the title. He's like, I got the title. I bought it right then and there. And I sold it before we even left the dealership at eight o'clock at night. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I got my books from all the deals. It was, I think that was like a $1,200 profit right there. Just sitting at work. It was like, right, so, so let's talk about, let's talk about something interesting here. Cause what you just said is a uh, uh, very interesting. That turnaround time, that seems a little impossible. How'd you get the title switched over to your own name in, uh, in a couple hours? So in New York, you don't have to do notaries or anything. And I found out in Ohio, in Ohio, you have notaries. You have to sign off in front of a notary. Yep. In New York, there's so much games being played because you don't have to sign off on anything. Like, it's just like, here's the title. You don't have to put in your own name. So that's wow. the beauty of it. So wow, they sign the back of the title and they sign the bill of sale. And then you act as like, it's almost like a wholesale real estate deal because you never put your name on it. You just collect your money and sell it. You know what that's called in Indiana? Probably something bad. Title title hopping. That's okay. illegal. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can do the same thing in Indiana. And I'm not going to say, you know, if anybody's done it or not. Like, you know, I'm sure most people have done it. But yeah, if you, if you sign the title and then you just pass it and you never put it in your own name, you're just taking it from that person's name and then giving it to the next person. That's called title hopping. And it's technically illegal, but you know, like I said, most people usually do things that way because otherwise you got to go register it. You got to pay the taxes on it. Then now it's in your name. You got to wait a couple weeks for the, the title to come and then you go and sell it. It's like, yeah, dude, that sucks. But that's crazy, dude, that you did that at the dealership too. Because I did it. Yeah, if we did that. All, 
If I did that, I ran it all at the dealership, all of it. I, I was taking Ubers. As soon as I got out of work, I didn't even go to my car. I had the Uber waiting outside, straight to where I was going to pick up the next car. Oh my gosh, that's yeah, that's hilarious. Because I'd be fired for sure. Did you did did you ever like get talked to by the management or anything like that, or did they ever say anything to you? So when I was leaving, like I felt like when I told them I was gone. Like when I had the conversation with the owner, he's like, yeah, I, I know what you've been doing. He's like, I don't really appreciate it. And I'm like, whatever, dude, like, yeah. you know, yeah, you got to hustle. Like, say, I, had, I had some issues even when I was like selling houses and doing house stuff and doing cars and like, they they didn't even like that. And it's like, dude, like, it's not even the same business. Cause like, you know, with what you're doing, it's like, okay, I get it. Cause like, you know, there might be a conflict of interest. If, you know, you got a person who's wanting to buy a car off the lot, then you move them to something that you got. I can understand why they might be a little upset, but I'm like, man, like, it just seems like, you know, the mindset is definitely different in the car business where they're like, no, you're here to sell cars for me and that's it. And if you're not here for that, then you're fired. That's a $250 salary a yeah. month. You know, that's just to lock you in. Like we own you. We're paying yep. you $250 a month. Yep. So what did that transition look like? Like, uh, I know you talked about it a little bit, you know, you're like, okay, I went into real estate and stuff, but what did that actually look like? And what was the thing that motivated you? Was the managers come up and talk to you and say, Hey, look, we don't want you doing this. You're like, okay, cool. I'm out. Or like, were you just like, you know what? Real estate's my passion. I decided that I'm just going to stop doing this. Or what, what was actually the thing that made you decide that real estate was the direction you're going to go? You know, the direction of real estate was always there. It was just progression, laziness. That was it. Um, straight up you know um real estate i want to get in real estate nothing ever happened um it just happened i was like you know I'm doing this and i'm like no more excuses needed and uh that transaction like i walked up to them and went in the office i was like listen i'm i was it i was the happiest person in the world i, I, I did that like skip that jump skip pop down the road so how was the transition uh, from like car sales to real estate? How did that go? Yeah, so transition from car sales to real estate, um, you know, just going in there, you know, excited. You know, you finally get to the point where you got the money saved up and, you know, and now you're about to hit your goals. You, and it's also on the other end of it, it's you don't know what to expect. Um, am I going to fail at real estate or am I going to be able to do this? Etc. You get to hear everybody's stories too. Oh, I was a real estate agent. It's really hard. Da, 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 da. You walk into the office, into my old boss's office, and I'm like, hey, you know, I got my real estate license. And I'm going to be leaving. I mean, that was just an amazing feeling, like to just know, like, potentially this could be it. Like, I'm out of here, though. I know that, like, I'm not working until eight o'clock at night for somebody else's watch, for myself, whatever it is, what it is. Yep. You know, but, uh, and how long were you in car sales before you decided that? Car sales for, uh, I was in car sales for 12 years. 12? Holy smokes. 12 years, man. So it was tough. And like after all those years, just watching the people and just seeing them and knowing that they're in that dealership until eight o'clock, you know, almost every night of the week, they're on the, on the weekends, they're there until six. And just knowing that they probably missed a lot of their kids' events and everything, because you just can't be in two places at once. Yep. And then if you get a customer, I mean, I've been there till 11, 12 o'clock before it, and like, people don't think that like, like, Oh, you're not going to be there. No, you're there till freaking midnight sometimes, depending on, you know, how many cars they're buying when they started the process. Cause we closed at eight. So if they showed up at, you know, seven 50, 
guess what? Like we work on commission. You got to sell a car. So like, dude, that's what people don't see a lot of times. They think all of these car salesmen are all these bad people, um, you know, and then they don't realize like, no, these are hardworking people who work on, you know, commission. Were you a hundred percent commission or did you have some sort of base salary? 250. It was like, yep. whatever, keep it. I don't want to hear that you own me. Let me just come up and show up my hours, get my car sales done. And you can keep your salary. Yep. Was it a drawl or was it actually a salary? It's 250 bucks a month, I think, or something like that. It was like $75 a week. It was ridiculous. Holy I, I said many times to him, like, you can keep it. Cause I yeah. bust my balls about coming back from like lunch, like five minutes late. And I'm like, dude, like I'm not in commission here. Like I earn off commission. Yep. So was it not that difficult of a transition for you then to go to real estate because you're already going from commission to commission? So it really has to do with what you produce or did you still feel like some fear there? Like, oh man, this is a little scary. You know, I think that over, I think the excitement overtook the fear. There was definitely some fear there. Like obviously you're switching, you don't know, you got bills coming in, but you have the right amount of money saved. You know, I had like a year and a half saved up in bills in case things went terribly wrong mm -hmm. that way i didn't have to put pressure on myself either the last thing i want to do is get into something instead of learning it you know be like oh my god i gotta be for the transaction you know so that helped um the transition going into it though that was great i mean you know i got onto a team i just wanted to i used a team just so i could understand like okay what do i got to do and speed myself up mm -hmm. like how everything works so i did about six months of that and I learned a good amount and I had, I was a cold calling beast. I mean, I had like 19 listings, like in six months. And these guys oh. were like, look at this guy, he's killing it. And I, I'm like, this is awesome. I'm like, this is easy, you know, like, and uh, that didn't live that long because the market started changing and expired started disappearing. Like, I mean, it was like, I got in there right at the right time. What, what year was this or when was this? This was in 2000. So I became full-time agent in August of 2017. Okay. Literally by, I want to say by June of 2018, like the expired completely dried up. Like I was looking for a different way of making money, like different way of uh, getting clients. So that's how you started was by calling expired listings and just seeing if they wanted to relist with you. Yep. And wow. I had no idea what I was doing. Like, and they probably sensed it. And that's probably why they listed with me. There were so many properties that I took that were like overpriced. And like, we just went like, I didn't know they were overpriced. I was like, oh, this is great. You know, the numbers work perfectly. And they're like, we'll sign right here. <laughs> did it, did they end up selling or did you actually end up producing anything from those leads or were they just like listings and then they didn't do much? Most of them did. I was really um, on point with my communication. And I think that helped me out a lot. And the people, you know, they trusted me and they were like okay let's do a price reduction and like let's get this done you know we see you busting your ass like let's get it done wow so it worked in my favor i mean it could have went terribly wrong but i think that was because i knew nothing and i didn't act like i knew everything i was just like hey you know i'll give this my best shot yep so what did your first real flip look like um my own yeah like, yeah when like you did as it a business on your own yep as a business it was a disaster my house hack, the one with my boss, like all that stuff was better. My first one as a business, it was a disaster. It wasn't a disaster because of design. It wasn't a disaster because of supplies or anything like that. It was a disaster because I moved from New York to Ohio. I knew nobody and I didn't know it as a business. 
living in a house or doing it with somebody that's already done it in an area where you know, it's great. But when you're not in an area where you don't know anybody and you're just moving here, like it was a disaster area. No one wanted to work there because it was in the hood, which I was told was in a great area, but it was in the hood, like <laughs> hood, hood. Like no contractor wanted to work there because of the hood. Um, and everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. We had to go to court for, we were getting sued by the first contractor that we fired that almost set our house on fire. Jeez. Like, yeah, it was bad. But so why, why did you transition from, uh, you know, you're, you're doing real estate in New York and then you decided to flip in Ohio. Like, why did you decide to make that like transition? What was the, the thinking there? Yeah. Two reasons, right? Um, one of the reasons is, you know, I like my family and I like being with my family. So if I was to continue to do New York, I would have had to keep traveling back and forth, you know, on a large scale to make a good income. And uh, I did that for the first couple of months. And I was like, all right, this is getting crazy here. You know, um, the mileage on the car, just driving, being in the car for a day just to get there. And then same thing on the way back. So you lose two days of the week there. And then I had intentions of being this big agent out in Ohio. And I, I started redoing it. I'm like, this is going to take three years to get this going. I said, by the time big tech gets set in, who knows what big tech does with the real estate retail world, you know? So I have that always in the back of my mind. And then I said, you know, three years, a long time to like, and that was, I lived there my whole life. I knew the area three years is going to be a long time to get to know people. It's, it could even take five years at that point. Mm -hmm. So I said, you know, we've always wanted to flip. We got the money, you know, why not? You know, we've already done one. I mean, on our house hack, we made 75,000. So I was like, all right, you know, why don't we just buy some homes and sell them? Like, I didn't think I would be on a scale of like doing this a lot. I thought, you know, we'll buy a couple a year. It'll be a couple hundred grand. Cool. All done. Then I got introduced with you guys. And like, I was like, well, that's going to change. <laughs> like one or two or a couple a year, like that, we could be doing that a month. Like we could be doing hitting six figures in a month. Yep. Why did you stick with it after the first flip failed? Um, even though the first flip was a disaster, we still made money. And at the end of the day, I loved that we took this house that was like terrible, you know, and we took this house and we made it a beautiful house. Someone's going to be living there, family. And we still made a little bit of money. And, you know, Tony, before even... Even that, I bought another house before I even found out this house was going to be a disaster. So I was already in, you know, and then the next house we bought was like a slam dunk. No matter what happened, it was going to be a slam dunk. So, I mean, yeah. So, so you ended up in the future flipper mastermind because you wanted to uh, grow. You didn't know what you didn't know. And, uh, do you think, would you advise that other people do that paid education? Because I know there's a lot of people who would rather kind of skim the internet, get the free stuff, uh, grow when it's convenient for them, that sort of thing. You know, not really have a, a whole lot of accountability or people pushing you to do things that you may not want to do or may not even know that you want. Um, do you think that the mastermind was worth it? Like, What did you get out of it? Yeah, man, that's a really good question. And um the mastermind, if you're not, do, if you're not in some kind of mastermind or some kind of mentorship, 
you're you're really losing out. Uh, you can be so smart, but like that just it, it accelerates everything so quickly. You know, to be able to reach out to top investors in the country and just be able to get your answers because there's a lot. I mean, you could read all you want online, but they're just giving you little tips and bits to like get you into some kind of course or something. They're not going to give you all the beans. And even if you're in some of these masterminds, you're not going to get everything, you know, but the content that you get out of this is like the money that you pay for the content that you're getting is, is so tiny compared to the value that you get out of it. And if you use it correctly and you do the masterminding and stuff like that, I mean, it just opens up all different kind of avenues. Are you letting deals fall through the cracks because you don't have good systems in place? We've been there before and we've tried several different CRMs and Ari Simply has been the best. Ari Simply tracks your KPIs, does automatic follow-ups for you, and even records your incoming phone calls. The system is simple to use and has more features than we even know what to do with. If you're looking for a great CRM, try Ari Simply today. We put the link in the description. Check it out now. So uh, what is your, what's your operation look like now? What does your business look like? How many deals do you have out right now? Uh, are you broke like us? We got, <laughs> we got a lot of money that we <laughs> you need. You guys aren't broke. Back. You guys are rich. Oh man, we got, we got a lot of money out right now. You know, we got some, uh, some appraisals coming back. We got to close on some properties, get some money back in the, in the business so we can keep doing what we're doing, keep grinding. But what does your business look like today? How are you different from your competition? You know, what do you focus on? And uh, are you doing just flips, just wholesales? You know, how much, how many are you keeping as rental properties? What's your business look like? Yeah, so our business right now, um, you know, we got a nice little team set up. We restructured everything. Um, I think I spoke to you guys last time. We were in the process of like really breaking it down. We did, like we stripped everything down to just me and one other guy. And uh, we're rebuilding it um, a little bit different this time. Um, as far as our business goes, I'm actually in a different position than you guys. I got money sitting in the bank, which is driving me nuts because it's not out there making me money. Um, we just cashed out on all of our flips pretty much, except for we have two in the, in the makings right now. And um, as far as wholesales go, we are we're, we flip and we wholesale. When you get in the rentals at the end of the year, but for right now, we're flipping wholesale and we're just trying to gain some capital. Um, what sets us apart, um, we do a little bit different. Like everybody here is really focused on these $100,000 homes. We're trying to focus on like a $300,000 home, which is a little bit higher end here for where the price points are. Mm -hmm. um, just feel like it's a better house. Um, a little bit more we could put a little bit more like coming from New York, you see a lot of these trendy designs. We could put a lot more of that into it. You can't really do much with a hundred thousand dollar house as far as money goes to make money. And we want to make money obviously at the end of the day too. And then we're wholesaling. Um, we got two that are going to close the beginning of next week. We just locked up 11 properties, which is 12 doors that we're going to be getting rid of as a package. Um, and then another thing that sets us apart is, you know, for, we're an out. We're also, I'm also an agent. So if the deal doesn't make sense, take it down as a flip. If it doesn't make sense, take it down as a wholesale, then we're going to put it on the market. Um, it's okay. It's good. Um, eventually I'd like to just be able to refer that off and not get involved in that at all. How often do you see that people actually want to, uh, 
uh, list their properties whenever they reach out. Does that happen to you very often or not really? No, <laughs> not at all. It's like when you tell them I could list your property, it's like they get mad for some reason. Yeah. Like you called me for a cash offer and I'm like, listen, this doesn't work. You know, your property doesn't need my cash offer. If I'm giving you a cash offer, it's going to be below market value. Like I'm telling you, being honest with you, I could probably get you more money, even including my realtor fee. Yep. It just doesn't work though. They, they, they still don't want to. Yeah. That's the funny thing is like, that's what I always explain to realtors. And uh, cause Tony and I both have our license as well and they don't believe us. So they're like, no, that doesn't happen. I'm like, no, dude, like seriously, we tell these people, Hey, we can list it. We can get you 20, $30,000 more, even after everything. They're like, nope, nope, nope. Yep. Don't want to do that. Dude, if they wanted, if they wanted to talk to a realtor and list their property, they would have called a realtor, not an investor. So like, uh, that's what we've noticed too, is like, you know, we've probably listed two properties out of like a hundred, <laughs> four and a half years. Yeah. So I, um, I recently, I recently brought it up to a lady. She loved the idea. I mean, she loved it. She was like, Oh yeah, that's brilliant. We're coming up from Florida. And then I didn't hear from her for a couple of days. And then I called her and she kind of ghosted me. I called her back the next day and she's like, Oh yeah. You know, after you said that it bought an IA to us and we called our realtor and I said, thanks. Glad I can give you, an idea. you know, and she's like, well, you know, and I'm like, listen, well, at any point you should be getting three opinions anyway, you know, to see what your house is really worth. Um, and she let us in the door and we knocked it out. Like our presentation solid. So we, you know, and she was like, we love, what we have to say, and she didn't even, she wasn't going to give her realtor an opportunity. Wow. She was like, she was like, send the papers. So we sent the papers and we get a text in the morning morning this long text i couldn't sleep last night i really need to get my realtor in here and i'm like oh god so we get a text back in like two hours we signed with the other realtor so there was two things that we were trying to push to her like we're trying to tell her like we think your house is like a three hundred twenty-five thousand dollars house but you should list it at 300 and let the market push it there because you might even get higher yeah you know and we were at uh we were at four percent commission i think or something like that and the guy came in there and he was the broker. So he's a Remax broker. He, he just slashed us in half. He, he listed it for two and a half percent or some crazy nonsense. Wow. And he took cell phone pictures and just threw it on the market at her price. And wow. it's still on the market. And it shouldn't, that's like a beautiful house that should not be on the market. Wow. Hey, yeah. That's, that's, you get what you pay for. You know, I like, I like some of those memes where, you know, they show like the, the landlord paint job, you know, where they just paint over a cockroach <laughs> or whatever. Like he was just, he was just painting over a cockroach. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what I want to hear about your, uh, your solid presentation. What's your, what's your pitch that, uh, you know, you say to people, cause I feel like a lot of people don't understand what investors do, especially real estate agents. So what is the thing that you say to people or like, what's your kind of feel that you say as, that, as a home buyer, yeah. as a cash buyer. Yep. As a home buyer, you know, I'm honest and just set expectations. I think that's the biggest thing. I, you, I feel like there's a lot of people out there that are just trying to pull a quick one and get that thing locked up in contract. And they're so afraid to actually just go through their whole presentation and lay it all out so that people feel comfortable. You get a lot. I hear a lot. I was just in a uh, conference Monday and Tuesday, and a lot of people were like, you know, when they're talking about like, you know, they, they call the people back two or three times before they even ask to get the contract blind, like locked up. And you, you would be surprised people like gasped in the room when they said that, 
And they're like, well, once we get off the phone with them, we can never get the people back on the phone. It's because you didn't, they don't feel comfortable with you. When they got off the phone with you, that was it. Like they don't, because they feel like, you know, one of the questions we tell them is like, it's okay if you say no to us. Like we're okay with it, you know, where a lot of people wouldn't dare to put that in their presentation, but that's okay to tell them like, hey, listen, you know, if you don't feel comfortable or if it doesn't work for you, like that's fine. Like, like we'll move on too. Um, so that just being honest and expectations and letting people know that like, we're not trying to hold a, a gun to your head for you to sign these contracts. Like if it works for you, it works for us. Great. You know, and it, it, it works. And then sticking to your, sticking the way you're going to say you're going to do, you know, and it's also holding them accountable for what they said. If they tell us the furnace is brand new and we go in there and it's 10 years old, well then guess what? The furnace ain't brand new, <laughs> you know? Yep. Yeah, I feel like we always uh, like try to do that as well. And it's funny whenever, like I, I keep bringing up real estate agents, but um, I mean, every time you talk to a realtor, they're just like, you're taking advantage of these people and stuff. And I was like, hey, let me tell you something. We've never bought a property from somebody that didn't want to sell it. And they have plenty of opportunities to decide that they don't want to do it anymore. And like, you know, they they always, you know, could back out or not come to closing and stuff. And you know, they can always do something like that, where it seems like they try to get out of it or can get out of it. If they really, really wanted to, they're going to find a way out of it. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. You guys are agents, you know, like, hey, listen, there's shady stuff going on both ends. I've seen some really, some of the shadiest happen from real estate agents. Yeah. You know, it just depends on who you're dealing with. You, it's not a perfect world. So there's going to be those people in both fields, you know, yeah. but at the end of the day, we're helping people probably a lot more and it's probably a lot more convenient buying their homes because we're closing on their times We're we're paying all their fees you know we're cleaning out the house for them like hey whatever you want to leave in the house just leave it you yeah. know that's a lot more convenient than walking through and telling them i i can't confidently tell somebody to fix this in your house do this do that and i'm going to get you this number and if i'm doing that and telling you i'm going to get you this number after fixing all this stuff probably lying to you because i don't right. have a crystal ball right yeah. And then if in the time that they were fixing it up or whatever, the market could change. So like, you know, they're doing all these things, putting the money into it, then something happens. So you really just don't know. I mean, that's always the hard part is like, uh, I've talked to other agents about this is like, man, I feel more comfortable telling them a number that we're willing to buy it at. And then we take on all the risk because if something goes sideways, and we lose money. Now it's on us. I feel worse whenever we're representing them. And I'm like, yeah, I think we're going to get you this. And then I'm completely wrong. And then, you know, now like we don't get them that I'm like, dang, now I feel like my integrity's lost. I'd rather give them a number that, Hey, we're going to give you this number and bam, we're, we're giving them that number no matter what. And obviously we expect to make money, but sometimes we messed up and you know, we were wrong. And, you know, you thought you said something that was kind of funny um, in the business, in the car business. I don't know if you guys said this, but they always said buyers are liars. And it always seems like, you know, like as a, as the person who is like, you know, the company you're held to a higher standard than what the client is. So I wanted to see if you had any stories about where the client, like, you know, either lied to you or like, you know, said some crazy stuff or tried just like making you out to be the bad guy, even though they're the ones that are basically trying to screw you over. Do you have anything that's, that that's happened to you? Yeah. I mean, the, the duplex we just bought was pretty good. I mean, the guy was, there was a couple of things that got, one of the obvious things that the guy was like, I don't even know why he was doing this, but he was, he, he kept, there was this seam on the front where the concrete meets the house and where they built the house, for whatever reason, that front porch, that concrete piece was actually part of the basement too. And 
instead of like having the foundation come down straight, there's like a concrete, like it just a little bump out in the, in there for whatever reason, you know, it, it the seam was gone. And, um, sorry guys, you having some crazy, uh, hell. Wow. Yeah. My car's outside too. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, we have, we, there's this, this scene, you know, it's just could have been like, it needs to be fixed. There's a brand new clock line going down the scene. He's on the house for like 30 years. He's like, what? I never did that. He's like, it's been like that for years. And I'm like, <laughs> dude, like I didn't even call him on it, but I'm like, all right. So there's definitely going to be other surprises to this house. You know? And like, he's like, I just did the set. I just did the, uh, the furnace and I just did the water tank. They're like a year old. And I'm like, okay. So you go down in the basement and I'm looking at the furnace. I'm looking at the water tank and I'm like, this, this isn't, this isn't brand new. <laughs> right. So I look at the year and it was from like 2012 and I'm like, Hey, you know, this, this, this is not new. And he goes, I just put them in last year. I said, there's no way you just put these in last year. You know, and we start getting into this back and forth and I'm like, just look at the year on it. And he's like, he looks at the year and he goes, oh yeah, you know, I thought I put them in last year, but I'm like, yeah, you put them in 10 years ago. You know, I said, yeah. So basically you, you were dealing with somebody who wasn't uh, uh, mentally uh, <laughs> there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this, this is somebody that's literally, you know, like believes his own lies. Yeah. Or, or he's not legally allowed to sign for himself. Which one is it? No, I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so yeah, it, it happens like it's crazy, but I mean, it, there's a lot worse things too. Like, did I tell you guys about the trap house? No. So the trap house. So I get up, I go, I'm pulling up to this house, like not really too like crazy about the area, but I'm like, maybe it's a quick little wholesale pull up there's like this old Chinese guy standing outside the door in the driveway he's like you know all innocent smiling and I'm like all right this is gonna be interesting so we go in the house and like there's nothing in the front front like there's nothing inside like the main area like it's completely empty no furniture nothing like we hear like talking and I'm like okay and like look in the one bedroom and there's like a bed in there like a pocketbook and then there's nobody there either I'm like, so my, one of the guys that was with me is like, Hey, um, is there somebody here? And he's like, yeah. And there are apartments and this is a single family house. And we're like in their apartments. So like, uh, he's like, yeah, let me show you. So I'm walking, this is a Chinese guy and my guy. And then I'm behind him. I'm last. So the, he stepped out of the way and he's like, go upstairs. So he starts walking upstairs and I look upstairs and there's a shady looking guy at the top of the stairs on a foldable chair, sitting on the platform of the stairs. What the heck? And I'm like, that's not normal. You know, and like, so my guy walks past him and he goes like this, like across the room. And I'm like, oh no, like this is bad. I'm like, I'm not going up there. I'm like, I'm going to stay down here just in case things like pop up here. So in the meantime, the guy's like, oh, we got to check out the front porch. So going to the front porch is a front is a door 
like like an outside door with a peephole looking into the house. I'm like, this is weird. He's banging on the door, this, this guy. And there's no noises. So he opens the door up and there's people living inside the porch. And that's why all the windows were smashed out because they had the sm windows smashed out and boarded up because people were living in there. Oh my gosh. So I'm like, I want to get out of here. Like, I have no business here. Like, we're going to get killed in this house. Like, so we go, he's like, forces us to go downstairs and check out the basement. We go down to the basement and there's like a deadbolt. That's it. Just a deadbolt on a door that's separating the basement. And he's pounding on this wall. And I was like, I'm out of here. Like, I don't want to know what's on the other side of that wall. Like, I'm out. Oh my God. So as we walk outside, my door to my pickup truck's open. And there's a shady looking cat walking up the driveway. So like within two minutes, someone was already in my truck, like ravaging through my truck. Oh my gosh. Did you end up buying that house? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> no, nope. you, didn't even, you didn't even make an offer? <laughs> I didn't even make an offer, man. That guy is going to get killed when someone buys that property and he tells those people to get out, they're going to kill him. Yeah, that would be crazy. You just get a property management company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that's crazy so we got a a few uh final questions here um what i was going to ask you uh is just how we could help you what's your biggest struggle right now man i want to come to you guys like quarter three and find out how i could buy homes because i'm going to get killed right like with our income where it's at already this year um if we keep going like this which it's looking very promising like if we don't buy something, we're going to get hammered. Like in you guys are the Kings of rentals. And I, I still haven't really like felt confident or know enough about it. When I dive into something, I want to know a little bit about it, especially if I'm going to be holding it and there's going to be tenants and all that stuff. So yeah, that's definitely somewhat something that's been on the top of my mind. What do you, what do you think is uh, your why? Like, why are you doing all of this? Like what's the, what's the major point of like your life and you know, what you're trying to accomplish, what you're trying to build. Yeah. There's a couple of whys I have, you know, one of the reasons I see my wife in the hospital, she's in the hospital man, all day long, just seeing patients, you know, after patient, after patient, after patient, like if that continues, like what kind of life is she going to have? You know, I mean, yeah, she lives great life. She's a doctor, but like she's in the hospital all day long, you know, we have family come over where's where's your wife she's in the hospital working you know and i want to be able to enjoy life too you know like we do like we can pretty much we're flexible yeah we work like a lot but we also do things too and i want to have her on the side with me doing that stuff so that's a huge why for me and then you know i didn't come from money so i don't want to live a life where everything's about i don't have money or i can't do this like i want to have enough money where i can do whatever i want however I want, whenever I want yep. and nothing stopping that. Awesome. Well, uh, we got our, our last couple questions here. So, uh, this is one of the ending questions we ask everybody 60 years from now you're on your deathbed and you have a final message to the world. It could be a paragraph. It could be something you're going to put on a billboard in times square. Everybody's going to see it. It could be a sentence. It could be, a poem. <laughs> this, is, this is your legacy, right? This is your legacy. This is something that you're going to give to the world or something you think people need to hear. It's your message. What, what is your message? My message would be, do you. Don't let 
other people's experiences and other people's noise get in the way of chasing down your dreams and everything's achievable. You know, a lot of it is procrastination. A lot of it is getting in your own way. A lot of it's self-doubt, but don't let that get in your way and don't let anybody else's experience bring down your dream, you know, get after it and do it. Take, take massive action today. That's what I would say. I like it. So how can our uh, listeners get a hold of you if they want to reach out? Also, what uh, what part of Ohio are you in? Just in case like anybody's got any wholesale deals or anything like that, or you know, they're buyers or anything. And then how can people get a hold of you? Yeah, so uh, Canton, we're in uh, Stark County, Summit County, Cuyahoga County, and Westchester, New York. And get a hold of me, Instagram, Gary Voorhees, underscore. And phone number is 914-420-8551. And you could also go on our website, which is unitedhomebuyers.com. Cool. Is there anything else that uh, you feel you want to share with our viewers? No, man, this is great. I really appreciate you guys. Yeah, thank you, man. I'm glad that we met. I'm glad that we got to work out together. We get to uh, see how uh, CrossFit works. That was my first time. So, yeah, we appreciate you, man. You're a beast. Yeah, we got to get you guys again this year, for sure, yes. even if it's out in your hometown, whatever. Yes, sir. I know, dude. We only live like what? three hours away yeah yeah yeah. we have to start taking a road trip out there this summer yep let's go well cool right. man thanks again for coming on peace later